You're listening to the Culture Builders Podcast, where we share thoughts, tools, and tips for leaders to improve relationships, raise standards, and grow personally. We're all about working to do better and to be better. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. So often I think we approach team building activities with like some sort of like kumbaya, sitting around the campfire and just like telling stories, which honestly, I'm not trying to downplay the the value of team meetings, you know, and and sharing and, and being vulnerable. But one of my favorite ways to build team cohesion is through doing hard things and through shared suffering, like doing hard things together and shared suffering. That's a really powerful way to be vulnerable and to connect as a group. And that's why I'm a huge fan of today's guest, Blake Williams, who founded the nonprofit I Am Battle Tested. And with his organization, I Am um, Battle Tested. And in his book, The Battle Tested Teammate, Blake helps programs to create these team building activities that allow players and coaches to connect through doing hard things and through shared suffering. And so we're going to pick Blake's brain today. We're going to kind of learn a little bit of how he does this, why he does this. And I know every coach is going to walk away with a better understanding of how to run those type of activities within their, within their team, as well as honestly a little bit more about Blake because he's providing really, really affordable ways for you to do that, whether it's through the book study or even bringing him in as a nonprofit, a lot of his stuff is very affordable for coaches. So I'd encourage people to really check out his his stuff um, after this episode. But definitely take some notes here because you're going to be able to really, at the end of this episode, run some better team building activities uh, within your program right away. All right, Blake, it's great to have you here on the podcast. It's uh, a conversation that's been coming for a while through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Luke Yannel in Chicago. So I'm excited to really kind of learn from you today because I think you have like expertise in this area around, you know, developing relationships within the team. It's something that I would think that I really haven't, you know, been able to learn a lot about or find good resources. I think you'll be a great resource for that as well as just through some of your unique team building activities, which I love, which is shared suffering. I think it's just such a powerful thing. So we've got a really good lineup of things to talk about. So really excited to have you in the podcast, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for some time since uh, Luke actually introduced me to it. And uh, I love it. Always getting nuggets to to use myself and trying to help coaches and, and players be better. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. So why don't you start and just tell us a little bit about your background as a leader and, you know, whether that be in whatever it was, sports coaching or, or, or business or everyone comes from different leadership experience and, um, you know, where you were when you start off to where you are now as a leader and, and how that's changed. Mm, great question. Yeah. I, uh, so I grew up in Alabama, you know, went to college down there, a small, uh, university there and got married and moved to, to Chicago, which is something I never said I would do. And, uh, <laughs> Been involved in a lot of uh, different youth uh, ministries and uh, nonprofits that serve youth. So I've always kind of been a, a leader of kids, if you will. 
mm-hmm. uh, passionate about the next generation, helping develop people. I I came from a very um, tough background as far as uh, uh, broken home and uh, family issues and things like that. And I realized that, hey, I have something to offer to these kids because uh, it just made me want to better help prepare them for the battles they're going to face. We're all going to face battles, right? So what can I do to help prepare them for the battles they're going to face, whether that's mm-hmm. on the field in sports or whether that's off the field in relationships and in life, in school? So um, definitely have done uh, leading kids for, for some time now. But then I got into the corporate world and wound up getting into management and leading people there. I've worked with several Fortune 500 companies and uh, loved that. Loved what I learned there. And through the leadership experiences that offers, I, I was able to get a master's in training and development through one of my employers and so continue to develop myself as a leader of people. But I always felt kind of this longing to get back to the students. You know, okay, well, what can I do for the students though, right? And, and is there something out there bigger, better for me? Uh, maybe that God has something different planned for me. And um, yeah, t- t- uh, 2012, realized that, hey, this is, uh, I was doing some obstacle course racing events. I was putting myself through some challenges that really were difficult for me, uh, pushing myself to some limits that I didn't usually push myself to. And, and a lot of things I learned about myself in those moments. And I thought to myself, man, I want other people to experience this. It's like my, my self-confidence is going through the roof. Like, I can't believe I did that. And those types of experiences. And I really began to think, well, what if you know I maybe started a company where I'm able to provide those experiences for people. And so that's where the, the, the idea for Battle Tested came from, this company that I really thought initially was going to be uh, another type of OCR, obstacle course racing type of company, but maybe with some character because, you know, yeah, it's great that we work on our bodies. We go out and we do these things and we get in the gym, but what about our character? How much are we actually developing who we are as a person? I want to be a better man, a better husband, a better father. So, um, yeah, it's just always been in pursuit of – um, becoming Blake 2.0. Like I always thought there's this better version of me out there somewhere. What can I do to to help myself become that? So I've always mm-hmm. kind of been in pursuit of becoming this better leader really by leading myself better. Oh, no, I love that. And before we kind of dive more into some of the stuff that you do through I Am Battle Tested, I, I, I want to come back to something you just shared there, which you said you came from a tough background, you know, and I think, and I think when I first heard of I Am Battle Tested, I'm like, man, that's probably ties back to your upbringing. I was just curious, you know, usually when people have come from really hard circumstances or when people have come from, you know, decent circumstances, I think regardless, we always point to a few individuals and they have done something in our lives, you Mm. know, to help us to where we, you know, where we are today. I mean, was there an individual or a couple individuals in your life early on that helped you to kind of you know, pull yourself out of those really challenging circumstances growing up in Alabama? Yeah, definitely two people. Uh, When my family split, I was the youngest of four, and I uh, was about four years old. And when the family split, the sisters went one way, and my brother and I, we went another direction. And so I was actually raised by my great aunt uh, about 30 minutes away from where I was born. And, uh, you know, she had never been married, never had kids of her own, and (laughs) to me is like so clear and in, in, in hindsight we can look back and say well well this is why she was never married never had kids because one day <laughs> she was going to be asked to bring in two boys of her own and raise them as her own and had she been married and had kids there's no telling where I would be today so you know she really you know sacrificed you know, her life and changed her life 
for my brother and I to help raise us and to care for us. And, you know, she's the only one in, in my extended family who had ever gone to college at the time. So it was, you know, again, I think because of her that she kind of put me on this path where I began to realize that I could be more, I could achieve more, I could succeed more. And so she kind of planted a lot of that in me. She was an educator and really you know, education was huge to her and you know, always wanted to help people you know, get more educated. So she was a great driving force for me and, and really in many ways, I think helped save my life. And then my older brother, who was only 13 months older, um, but he was uh, a different type of role in my life. He was more like a martyr, if you will. He made horrible decisions in life. I mean, high school dropout, married at 16, uh, stealing, uh, lying, cheating, jail, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, just horrible decisions. I would see the repercussions, like the trouble he would get into for those decisions. And I thought, man, I don't want to be like that. So I'm going to just do the opposite of what he does. <laughs> so he set an example for me, but it was an example for me to avoid. And so in a ways, uh, he wound up committing suicide years later. And, and in ways it was, you know, hey, I've served my purpose. I've helped my brother become a much better person that, you know, he always wanted to be, but never felt that he could have been. So, um, yeah, those two people obviously shaped me. I appreciate you sharing that. I think, you know, it's incredible uh, from your aunt there. It's just an example she said, and I'm, and I'm sure that's a lot of, that's a, a painful example for, you know, you to have to live through with your brother. I just can't even, even imagine that. Um, you know, when you see your brother, like, is that also, would you say that's kind of some of the inspiration as far as just when it comes to working with youth too, you know, like just how, how he ended up making those decisions. Like, do you see that a lot of the young people that you work with? Absolutely. I mean, he's a driving force behind what I do because you know, one, he's, he's not here anymore. And I do want to kind of carry on his, his legacy, if you will, and try to try to help students like him, perhaps that have gone through some tough times and just need a little more direction and could use a great role model in their life. So he certainly helps motivate me to want to you know, give back to students, uh, be they great students or students that were more you know, rough around the edges. But, you know, hey, we all need some some help facing those battles we're going to face in life. Yeah, no, I appreciate that a lot. That's that's incredible. When it comes to the work that you do, you know, one of the big things that, you know, you, you do is helping to build those relationships between teammates. And I think that's more important than ever. I think with the rise of technology, like we need authentic, real relationships and human connection. I think young people are craving it. I think when it comes to even the current year that we are in with coronavirus, the lockdown and, and more isolation and less, you know, connection. I think it's even harder than ever to, to create that. So I think I'm really interested in kind of tapping into the stuff that you do from everything that I've heard. It doesn't sound like you come in and are all about just giving a motivational speech or, or doing some, you know, trust falls and sing Kumbaya as a group. It's probably <laughs> a little grittier than that by the sounds of it. It's pretty, pretty tough stuff that you like to like to do with teams. Am I right in that? Absolutely. I didn't call the company cake and ice cream, right? Or cookies <laughs> and milk. I called it battle tested. You know, I, I wanted to provide a uh, a space, uh, a safe space where student athletes can be challenged. And if, if, if I had to summarize it in one or two words, it, it's challenging uh, and it's preparation. It's really about me challenging your student athletes, a coaches, student athletes to better prepare them, right, for what they're going to be facing throughout the season. So it's definitely 
uh, as tough as you want it to be. And so I have some coaches that say, Blake, I want you to kick their butts today. <laughs> and some say, well, Blake, we've got a game in two days. I don't want them to be too sore uh, before the game. So go a little bit easier on them. So, you know, I can scale it depending on what the coaches want. And I always tell coaches, this is not some off-the-shelf program. Hey, here it is. I hope you like it. Um, every program's customized for a, for a coach's desires, for their, their team. And so I ask the coach, and you know, we talk beforehand or we email, and I'm trying to get an idea. Where is your team currently You know, in their headspace, in their you know, past experiences? What are you expecting this season? And where do you think – they best uh, or most need to grow. And so coaches might say, well, Blake, I, I need better leaders. I need them to communicate more. I need them to trust each other more. Um, I need them to have greater integrity or courage or confidence, whatever it is. So they give me themes and then I incorporate those themes into the event. So whether the, the physical challenges themselves might help me reinforce those themes. And then I, when I do give them a chance to hydrate and uh, take a water break, which I do. Uh, I tell them they're welcome for those. Uh, we have story time. And that is when I actually literally sit them down and I share a five to 10 minute story about that theme. So maybe it's about trust and a story that's impactful, that's memorable, that makes them think, hey, how am I doing in that area? Could I improve myself in that area of trust and be a better teammate in that area? And so uh, it, it's funny, it, as much as we have fun throughout the event and we work hard, uh, so many times students tell me story time is my favorite part and I'll go back to work with a team in succeeding years and they still remember stories that I told them the previous year and those stories stick with people and I uh, it's one thing I'm gonna do I'm a collector of stories I share stories and uh, those can be sometimes some of the more powerful moments of the events and some of these stories are they they're not just your own stories or stories of other people like uh, other Fictional or non-fictional characters? Are we so they're typically, they typically are stories of other people that I've found, come across, uh, explored, someone told me about. Uh, if it's appropriate, I will share some of my own stories, uh, depending yeah. on, again, what the themes are. Uh, certainly, I'll share mine. Um, but, and, and then once in a while, they are kind of the more fictional ones. Um, but sometimes it's more maybe a story about you know, something we can learn from wildlife, even, or from nature. Uh, just different stories to try to make them think about that theme and what can I learn from that and how can I apply it? I love that. I, I think it's an area that as coaches, you know, we can probably be more vulnerable in sharing our own stories, but also taking and telling stories. I, I think um, that's an area that I'm really trying to invest in and grow in. You know, it's just like I, I'm so quick just to like, let's just get right to business. Let's get right to work. But I love how you do the work, take a break to have a story. And I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've done the reading. Like I've, I've read there's a real psychological uh, power of story, you know, that, that just like, like you said, it sticks with people They remember it they can put themselves within that story. So it's so important that we're telling good stories um, that they can relate to and relate to in a way that they can see, like every good story has a hero, right? Like there's there's right. the hero that faces the challenge. So we have to put them to the, they can start to see themselves as the hero, you know? I think that's so important. You said something great there that I want to make sure I affirm, which is the importance of you, the coach, telling your stories when appropriate uh, and, and helping you be relatable. I sat in a leadership uh, event a couple of years ago, and there's a Division I um, coach up there talking to these football players. And he's talking, and he's talking about whatever. I can't remember what he was talking about. And at the very end, he shares a little bit about his story. 
and everybody was captivated. And I thought, man, you should have led with that. Because you, if you would have led with that and everybody really then bought into who you are as a person, they probably would have stuck with you more throughout the uh, actual rest of this, the presentation that he was giving. So the importance of, of you and I as, as, as adults, as coaches, to share our stories and what we learn from them, how they can apply, one, I think it really makes us more relatable to our students, right? And they can appreciate where coach came from, uh, what, what coach has learned, and how coach can help me. And I think you said the word relatable. And I think that's important because I think so often I told stories as a coach and I know other coaches do this to help us be more credible so that people think, oh, he played division one basketball. Oh, he knows these people or like because we seek credibility. But I think what real leaders do is they want to relate. They want to connect to their stories not put themselves up here so people are like, oh, he, he, yeah, he's very wise. I should listen to that guy. I think it's more like he's human. He's a real person. He's not just yes. a coach. And they can connect with that. I love it. I think if you, and I think if you do that, your credibility comes. I think the credibility will come to a coach when they show that they are relatable. So you don't have to talk about, I've done this, I've done X, Y, and Z, and that therefore, listen to me. I am, I am he, right? Listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you show that you are relatable and that, hey, I'm here, to uh, to help you and to uh, instruct you, you know, that credibility credibility is going to come. It doesn't have to be forced. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, let me just present this scenario here of like you talked about what a team needs. You know, when it comes to that connection. So I'll just look at my own team that I'm coaching this year. They are. Women's, you know, semi-pro team. Uh, players are aged 18 to 30, and most of them have played with each other on the same team for years, years. And some of them are new. And we've done a really nice job of connecting as friends. Like off the court, we're connecting. Like we did buddy, you know, partner workout uh, week. Really connected. I do a lot of stuff about like kind of getting to know each other. And I would say everyone on the team, as far as I know, and other, a few of my like captain's council have said, is everyone enjoys each other. Everyone likes each other. And I think a lot of teams get to that point. But we don't want to compete against each other. We're afraid to compete in practice in the sense of like, well, I'm going to go hard, but I'm not going to go 100% on you because I don't want to make you feel bad. Or when coach is asking who won, I'm afraid to put my hand up because I don't want to make her feel bad. Or when we're playing here, like I'll encourage you but I'm not going to ever say, hey, you know, come on, you didn't sprint back on defense there. You know, I'm never going to say like, hey, you're not talking. Your, your energy is unacceptable. Like we're afraid to take that step. And, you know, it's just afraid to have hard conversations. And I think that's really challenging. It's great that we like each other. But I think if we really want to be an elite team, at a high level, we have to be able to connect in a way that we can speak into each other's lives. We can hold each other accountable and know that we're still safe to do that. Like the relationship's still safe. So what's, what's one of your prescriptions for, for a team like mine? Great question. I would say, first of all, that like has to turn to love. And I think if, if my like, if I don't just like my teammates, but man, I love my teammates. I think there's a huge distinction there. Because if I truly love someone, I want them to be their best. And so how am I going to help them be their best? Well, I've got to compete against them. And I've got to give them my best every time I go up against them. And I've got to hold them accountable because I see what they're doing is not right. 
It's not helping them. It's not helping the team. If I truly love them, I want what's best for them. And therefore, I'm going to push them to a different level, perhaps. I'm going to hold them accountable. So I think you definitely need uh, like to turn to love would be what I would start with. And you know, now maybe we turn our attention to, well, how do we do those types of things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing that we do at, at Battle Tested that we're kind of got our, our name on the map for is our team building events. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between team building and team bonding. Yeah, I'm interested about that. And team building is is very intentional. You know, there's this focus on how do we improve our team's performance, our productivity as a team. How do we do that? And whereas team bonding is much more about the relationships. And hey, both are important. And with team building and team bonding, those can typically go hand in hand. So in my team building events, I guarantee you team bonding is taking place. I see it. But oftentimes in team bonding events, there may not be team building taking place. And there's times and places for for both, right? So most people think of team building as that preseason event. What is that thing I'm going to do in the preseason that really just brings the team together and unites them and uh, make sure we're we're all singing to the same sheet of music. Yeah. And some coaches will make the uh, will do the right thing to do that, but then they make mistake of they, they've checked the box, they've done it. There's nothing else they need to do. And I've worked with some coaches like that. You know, they'll they'll, they'll work with me first of the season, and then I I never hear from them again. I, I see the season kind of maybe go downhill on them. It kind of gets away from them because all they've done is they've checked that initial box. And they've never really not done anything to um, to foster relationships going for- forward or continue to work on team building things like that. So there's definitely a difference in the two, but both are important. So I would recommend, like, say to your team, right? Well, you know, perhaps uh, a, a team building event where we really maybe endure some shared suffering might be something that really gets them start to looking at each other a little bit differently. Now I start to build more respect for my teammates. I maybe start to build that love because now I've, I've suffered side by side with this person for a period of time, maybe endured something, man, I, I wasn't sure we we're going to be able to get through that, but we did, we got through it together and you were there by my side. And I see that happen in the three hour events that I do. When I'm on campus, I see these relationships start to form. Coaches will tell me afterwards, I can't believe how different they are to each other after that one event. Uh, I've got leaders that are stepping up. I've got relationships with people that didn't exist before. These two people didn't like each other. And so I put them on the same team. And now it's like they're best friends and they respect each other now. Uh, So that shared suffering definitely carries some weight. I mean, you think about guys and and ladies who go off to war, right? And they suffer through uh, combat together. And they come back and and you hear them talk about each other. It's amazing the, the bonds that that forms that... When, when you are willing to suffer alongside me, um, I don't. I may not like you, I may not love you, but by God, I'm going to respect you. And so mm-hmm. it definitely starts there. And I, I tell teams like, if you don't have respect, you're not going to grow a relationship. It's got to kind of start. That's our foundation mm-hmm. of our house. We've got to have that respect at least to start with. We might believe different things and and say different things, act in different ways, but cannot respect you. And if we can yeah. respect each other, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I, I think. You know, a few things on the shared suffering. I, I, I mean, I remember my my back in my day playing high school basketball. Our coach would just we'd go for runs. You know, we'd go for five mile runs. We'd go for you know, you just go for go running. And I think in the performance culture, 
of sports were like, well, we're not going to be a cross country team. So why would we go running anymore? You know, and I think we've gone away from less sports specific training. It's like, oh, it's got to have a basketball in the hand all the time. Like, you know, I think coaches are so focused on maximizing performance. I think we miss some of those things that are really gritty, you know, and it's, and some of it's too, because like where I think we're afraid of like doing some of these events because we're like, oh, we'll work our kids into the ground, stuff like that. But we're still like, we're prioritizing other things. But I think there's so much that I gained from those runs. Like there was grit that was developed. Like we would do them together, you know, and, and I think we're missing stuff like that. I, I, I was five years ago going through a tough season, really tough season. And, um, you know, struggling with, with players, you know, a few players struggling to commit. And I've shared it before in the podcast, but I took our guys down to the beach after our tournament. We got knocked out early. We had two extra days. I said, if you guys want to stay for two more days at the beach instead of going home with your families, I said, we're going to do this workout here. And I put them through hell for about four hours, you know, and I, I kind of designed it. I'd say the most impactful things were when I put them in groups and I had been really starting to get into CrossFit at the time and CrossFit is obviously a little bit of shared suffering and group, group, group workouts, group wads where essentially, you know, you're together running a mile carrying something, but then we would do like 200 pushups, but you know, one person goes at a time and well, you could do 10, I could do 15, you could do five. But like the whole thing I started to realize in those moments of shared suffering was that you were sending signals. Like you would go to, you were exhausted. And then the other person would be like, no, I've got you. I got you. I got like, you literally hear guys say that. I got you. I got you. All right. You're good. You're good. You're good. And then you knew like, like, and this is where you take, I think fr- like coming back and it just hits me so hard. You're like, what I'm starting, I realize I need to do here. Like my, my it moves from friendship, like to deeper, right? Because here it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm your friend. Well, that means that I have to share some of the load here. And if I go 50%, you have to do more. And I feel like there's that connection that's brought through kind of in that training, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're communicating to teammates that, hey, I'm going to be here with you. This may be hard, but I'm here. And because I'm here, we're going to be able to get through this together. I'm going to lean into you. You're going to lean into me. We benefit each other. You know, we, we strengthen each other. So I see that all the time, you know, these events that just, you know, where people step up and do things. I have so many coaches, one that have told me, I can't believe how much better we got as a team today. And I, we didn't have a ball in our hands, right? And, and you know, they're willing to sacrifice a day. And a lot of coaches aren't. You know, like, I can't sacrifice a day, Blake. I, we got to get in the, in the offense and the defense, right? But if you're willing to sacrifice one practice day, your team can – get so much better to me it's almost like hitting a fast forward button on your season to getting him so much farther down the road as a team as a unit relationally uh, which is going to help you in the long run um, but I see them you know they get better they, they lean into each other people tell me the coaches will tell me you know that I saw guys or girls step up today that I had no idea would ever step up uh, they got out of their comfort zone right that's one thing I try to do is I try to make them uncomfortable whether that's relationally, whether that's physically, mentally, I want to make them uncomfortable because as we know, that's where we grow. And so I'm, I tell them from the get go, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. That's part of my job. And I hope that you'll choose to embrace that. I hope you choose to see, Hey, there's opportunity here for me. Uh, if I am willing to do it now, does everybody choose to, unfortunately not, but the majority of student athletes will say, let me step up and give this a shot. I'm not sure how I'm going to do, but I'm going to give it my best. 
And then, as you said, some people have different abilities, right? And so we see uh, the person who is the stud athlete on the team, you know, outperform everybody else, but everybody else still does their part and says, I can't maybe do as much as he or she, but I'm going to give it my best. And this is my best is going to help my team. So I don't want you to like be sharing all your secret sauce here with us, but like, I think one of the things I'd love to is what are some things like, even though say you're a youth coach, you know, like, and you just trying to put together a hour long or hour and a half long type workout thing. You know, obviously you've told us one of the ingredients is, is the power of story, sharing stories and that experience is powerful. But what are some other like simple things that you've seen that you've done or other coaches have done to really create that shared suffering rather than just go out to the field and say, run, run a couple sprints, you know, like what are some other things that yeah. coaches could do? Yeah. And I don't mind sharing a little secret sauce. You know, I I'm, I'm here to help coaches and, and, and athletes get better. And that's what I care about. And I say first have a purpose, right? So what is the purpose of this shared suffering? And is it, you know, can we make it more than just about, you know, let's have them do as many burpees as they can, but can I maybe even tie a principle into it? So maybe I, I need, uh, my team to be more selfless. Let's let's use that as an example. Yeah, I really I just got a bunch of selfish kids. I need to teach them a lesson in selflessness. Um, so I've got this one challenge that I do where I split them up into teams, mm-hmm. and I tell them I'm about to present you with five, six, seven. I kind of kind of base it on the number of uh, players per team. I'm about to give you X number of body weight challenges, and when I give you the body weight challenge, I need one person from each team to step up and do that. And so let's say, let's say the first one is, um, you know, 50 crucifix push-ups, where your chest comes down to the ground, the arms extend to the side and back in. You know, it could be jump squats, it could be jumping jacks, it could be plank jacks, whatever it is, a body weight exercise, something simple. And you tell them, it's like, I'm not going to say go, I'm not going to blow the whistle, I'm just going to say what it is, how many you have to do, so maybe it's 100 jumping jacks, and I'm going to demonstrate it. And as soon as I do that, I'm just expecting one person from each of these teams is going to step up and start doing it. And so I do that. And initially, you know, maybe they're a little slow, but eventually somebody jumps in and they start going. And then everybody else starts going and people start to rally around teammates. Right. Maybe their their volume is maybe a, a five out of ten. You know, they're clapping for their teammates. And, and so after each round, I just kind of point out where they're lacking, where they need to get better. You know, hey, we're you got to make sure we do things the right way. Don't just do it to, to, to be done first. Do it the right way. So when I tell you to do a jumping jack, don't cut corners on the jumping jack. Make it a beautiful jumping jack because I'm going to give the, uh, the victory to the person who does the best jumping jacks the fastest. So there's lessons there in how we do things. Uh, there's lessons in me being a great teammate. So if I'm not the one going at the moment, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to lend my energy to that person who is, right? And I'm going to clap and I'm going to cheer. and I'm going to make sure that they know I'm there supporting them as they do 50 burpees or whatever it is. And then there's lessons in leadership, right? Who is stepping up? I'm not giving everyone, uh, if there's 10 people per team, maybe I'm doing seven exercises. So there's some people that aren't going to have the opportunity. So then there's those lessons in, well, who stepped up? Why did you step up? And they'll tell you, well, I stepped up because I wanted to be a leader. I stepped up because I felt my team needed someone to. I stepped up because I felt I'm good at that. I can be successful at that and help my team. That's right. Use your skills to help your team. And I also point out the selflessness piece, right? Well, when so-and-so stepped up to do 50 burpees, how many people really wanted to do that? No one did, right? Everybody hates burpees. No one wants to step up and do 50 burpees. Yet I was willing to. Yet I was selfless enough to say, someone from my team has to go. Why not me? 
and I might be the worst at doing burpees on the team, but guess what? I'm willing to throw my hat in the ring and take one for the team. That's really what selfless is, right? I'm willing to maybe sacrifice some of my comfort for my teammates. And so let me do that. So that's a, a, a fun little exercise that we do that you can really, if you debrief it well, it can teach a lot of lessons on leadership and accountability and encouragement and selflessness. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so when you say like, do the 50 crucifix push-ups, only one person does those. It's not from each of those teams. From each, from each team. They don't right. split them up. Okay. All right. So wow. it's competition. Exactly. So that one person and, and, and whoever finishes first, awesome. So typically at the very end of that exercise of that challenge is when you get to see that one person, let's say 30 burpees is my last round. There's always going to be one person who's slower than everybody else at doing the burpees. And I tell people, I say, when your team is done and you, when the guy or girl on your team has finished, go encourage those that are still working. And so usually you have the entire team then that is surrounding that one person who's trying to <laughs> bring those 30 burpees home and they're chapping, uh, clapping, they're cheering and it's the amazing moment where you, you get the goosebumps, where you realize, hey, this is this is what it's all about. This is what a team is about. Uh, when when someone's going through a hard time, everybody else just rallying around them and doing their best to help them in whatever way they can. And when they're done, they all celebrate, and it's just a powerful, powerful time. Oh, that's that's incredible. I've I've never done a conditioning like. Like I don't with intentionality like that, and I can just I, like one thing I've always done is like what I call the mental toughness conditioner, and you know I put a kids on a line and they just run a down and back safe sprint for instance, and whoever's last is out. So it's always comes down to you know the the two people that grind it out, and then it's always a big moment. People are clapping up, and it's all right. about like you know I think t- traditionally the coaches were like oh whoever's first is done you know, but it, like we always said the opposite. That always created cool moments, but I love there is like people rallying around some guy at the end. I just think that's just so cool, um, just so powerful. Uh, some great stuff there. Um, what other opportunities do you provide players to connect on deeper levels within some of the team building stuff that you do? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And unfortunately, and one of my uh, – drivers in my business is uh, I've always asked the question to myself, what more can I do? Now I'm there for on campus, perhaps for three hours, right? I've, I've put them through this amazing experience and then I leave. And in some cases I never see them again. I may never see that student athlete again. And so I have always asked that question, what more can I do? Is there something more I can be doing to, to help them? And so I, I'll offer to do pep talks, you know, and, and things like that throughout the season or, or come back and, and see a game and, you know, do a you know, pregame speech if, if they want. So I can do those types of things. But really so much of what uh, needs to take place from there is, is really on the coach. And so um, I, I'm certainly here to offer advice to coaches on how to do that. But I, and I've heard some great things of what some people do. Uh, and so I think it's important for us to maybe talk about that here because you're right. Once I leave, you know, what's really going to be done? How are we fostering those deeper ways to connect? Because there are still those ways. And so one thing that I did when I asked the question, what more can I do? Was I, I wrote a book. You know, people for years have been telling me, you know, Blake, you need to write a book about your story. It's powerful. And so I, I wrote a book. It's called The Battle-Tested Teammate. And in there, there's 24 stories from my life, uh, many of them sports related, most of them sports related, things that I learned from them, good or bad, uh, 
the lessons that a, a team can take and apply to their team to help the team be better. And then one principle from each story that me as an individual, an individual student athlete could take, apply that to my life to help me be that better teammate, that better person, that better student athlete, better in, in any regard. And my hope behind that book and where teams have been using it is they, they get a copy for the team, right? And they read through it together. So they'll read through a chapter maybe for practice. And there's some discussion questions they can download from the website and they just ask those questions. And it's an opportunity for people to get vulnerable with each other. And that's where I think the magic starts to happen when, when someone opens up and is vulnerable. And maybe it takes the coach going first, right? And maybe they kind of share a little vulnerability to show that, hey, this is a safe place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of set some ground rules that say, rules that say if you know, things that are shared here, stay here, that kind of thing. But creating those opportunities for student athletes to have meaningful, uh, vulnerable conversations with each other so that now I can not only respect that person more, but now I can empathize with them. I can connect because, oh, I went through something similar. And then maybe at a different time, you know, he or she, we have a conversation about that thing that we went through that was pretty similar. And, hey, I, I went through something. Let me you know, help you with that. A great opportunity for those relationships to go deeper. Um, John Gordon has that great uh, uh, hero hardship highlight question he asked people on his podcast, and I think that's a great thing to do. Maybe uh, before practice, you get a couple of players, hey, share about your hero, uh, a hardship you went through and a highlight in your life. And you don't have to you do the whole team, but just do a few at a practice, depending on you know, how many players you got. But it's just an opportunity to share those conversations. I know Dabo Sweeney does something at Clemson, where, uh, and I, I may butcher it, but it's something like a safe chair he has in the locker room. And a couple of you know, practices a week, I think they, they'll sit a player or two in that chair, and they'll ask them questions about their life. Like, hey, hey tell us a defining moment in your life that made you uh, who you are. And so it's just a, a safe place for our players to open up to share some real stuff um, to help, again, make those relationships tighter, deeper, stronger. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Those are really good practical examples. And I think they all, like even just by buying, like say your book, for instance, and using that with your team, I think that brings in an outside voice rather than the coach feeling that they have to be the only voice. And so you're a big believer in the outside voice. Like that's something you think is important. So you know, why is that? And can you explain a little bit about what the outside voice means? Yeah. And it starts with being a parent. And if you're a parent, I'm a parent of five. And I remember uh, my oldest son, he went away to Colorado for a, a leadership retreat his senior year of high school for a week. And he comes back and he's still like, dad, the, the guys there, the staff, they were telling me this and then that they see this in me and that in me. And it's like, can you believe that? And I'm thinking, yeah, I can believe it because I tell you that all the time. But he's, actually, <laughs> he's never heard it before, right? And so to me, it's like, oh, you know, light bulb moment. That's the power of the outside voice. When someone else who maybe isn't supposed to say nice things about me uh, because they don't know me that well, if they see something in me and they call that out, oh, that can be so powerful to a, a student athlete. So uh, there is such power in the outside voice. So sometimes I think it's because we're too close to someone and – our relationship is so close that, yeah, I know, coach, you're supposed to say nice things to me and you're supposed to encourage me. But if a coach can set egos aside and say, hey, I want to have someone else come and speak in, into my team. Uh, coaches tell me all the time there is so much power that they'll say, Blake, you said a lot of the same things that I say. You just said them in a different way. 
And so they appreciate that, you know, the message is on, on par with what they say. And I'm not saying anything contrary to their culture, but because I said it in a different way and I'm a different person, it's just heard a little bit differently. And maybe for some people it's heard for the first time. So there is such power in that when coaches are willing to, you know, invest in that, again, set egos aside and say, hey, I don't, I don't have to be the only one trying to speak to my team. It can be, uh, I think it just helps, again, get players farther along, uh, believing in what you want them to believe in, believing in themselves, perhaps, when we can have people from the outside coming in to build into mm-hmm. your student athletes. That's, that's a really great example. Like, of I love your story of just your son there, and I think it's a great reminder. I I think um, that it's it's huge. It's huge. I, I've always tried to, I guess over the last three four years, you know, just be the outside voice, um, just kind of like a sounding board for coaches. You know, like just and sometimes that is, you know, me giving them ideas or sharing stuff that they can do, but also just like, you know, letting them know, you know, like. I'm behind them. I'm with you, you know, and stuff like that. But I think it's just such a powerful thing that we're trying to create opportunities like that. One of the coaches that I'm working with in, in our mentorship program, he's actually partnered up players with alumni uh, mm. to be kind of like mentors. And, you know, it just has, you know, it just took that whole like, oh, here, let's have an alumni come back to speak to the team, just taking it to a whole other level, you know, and I just am excited to see the fruits of, of that type of activity for his team. Yeah. You know, start to take root. Love you know? that. Love that. I heard that mentioned on the podcast and I thought that, and that is an ingenious idea. You know, you, yeah. you got alumni who are passionate already about the program and the success of the program. And it gives them an opportunity to, to give back to something that hopefully help them become who they are as a person. Love that idea. And there's so much about your story that I want to know. And I just probably like, probably just need to buy your book and read it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> good place to start. That's a good place to start. So I'm definitely going to be getting that book. Because uh, I think it's just like, gosh, I just enjoy this conversation. And you've got some really awesome tools uh, that I think coaches should explore and definitely check you out. And I don't know, before we kind of like, you know, let you kind of just share just, you know, where people can find find you and get in touch with you. Like, is there anything else you just kind of want to share with coaches today that you think, man, you know, they need to hear this more. Or they don't hear this at all. Or, you know, just what other kind of message do you have for coaches out there? Mm. I just want to continually remind coaches of their power, of their influence. Uh, I, one of the stories I tell in my book is about my very short high school football career, <laughs> uh, which lasted two practices. And um, it, it's a funny story of, of why I decided to quit. But um, <laughs> no, one, no one came for me. You know, no coach said, hey, let me reach out to this young man and try to find out why he quit. What was it that, that, that made him not want to show up again? He just was gone and he was here two days and now he's gone. And I needed more than probably most kids uh, in life, perhaps at that time. I needed a male in my life. I needed a man in my life, uh, a, probably a coach, to come alongside me and help teach me what it's like to become a man. I was being raised by a woman, right? And so I could have desperately used uh, a coach to come alongside me and just build into me and give me some idea that, hey, maybe I do have what it takes because I certainly didn't think that I did. Um, and so I just want to remind coaches that, you know, even the players that you might seem don't offer much to the team. Maybe they're the last person on the bench. You know, 
they don't seem too into the team, whatever. If they're a part of the program, uh, do your best to connect with them. Uh, there might be something in their life going on that, that you don't know about, and all they need from you is just for you to, to be there, to show them that you care about them, that you uh, value them. And I think too many student athletes, especially, you know, have to think about the high school level and, and smaller teams or, or those on the larger team, sorry, um, just need, uh, I think they can, it's easy to get lost. And so I, I just want to encourage you not to allow players to get lost. Mm. And I think it's, it's tough to do. I mean, you're one person, uh, perhaps, or you have a, a small staff and you're trying to connect with everybody. And I know that's tough to do, uh, but I think it's such an important part of the job of the coach. It's such a powerful thing you just shared about like not letting players get lost. I instantly go to so many conversations I have with coaches and these are like coaches that are really well-intentioned. I've been this, I've done this as a coach where the player who is talented, the player who has something to offer, if they have some trouble in their life, we're like really eager to jump in and help that person. Mm. And oftentimes they probably got like other people ruling, you know, but like, I think we spend a lot of time with that player, like, cause we have something to gain if they get it together and they, we reach right. them and connect with them. But like, isn't that a great standard of transformational coaching, like versus transactional, like the standard yes. of transformational coaching is that you, how do you serve the player that has nothing to offer the team? How do you serve the player that has nothing to offer the team? How do you, do you care about the kid that you cut? Do you care about the kid that walks out off your team? And you're like, oh, he wasn't very good. So we're probably just better off letting that one guy go. Like even just if you had asked and, right. you know, built a connection, like you just never know what could have happened and, and, and that person in your life and someone else's life. I just think that's such a powerful thing that you've pointed out there. And I think really when it comes back to transformational coaching, that's what we need more of. Like we need coaches that are willing to, you know, care about the kids that offer them nothing when it comes to the scoreboard. Yeah. I had one of my most powerful testimonials is from a, a college softball player. And I met with them on the beach in, in Michigan years ago. And she tells me years later that she was kind of in the middle of depression. Uh, her coach uh, was riding her hard, uh, didn't see her as very valuable to the team. Uh, she, of course, was questioning her self-worth. And she said that day on the beach turned things around for her. So, you know, things that I said, uh, beliefs that I showed in, in her and her teammates just turned things around. And I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, it's like it, it shouldn't have taken me to do that, right? You know, a, a coach should have been there to, to do the right things, to say the right things, to make sure that, you know, that young woman was healthy mentally and, and emotionally and, you know, felt valued. So it's just a, an awesome opportunity that that coaches have and I uh, applaud them for doing it and you know like any job in the world we all have to get better and when we get better when the leaders get better everybody else gets better so I just uh would maybe challenge them with that and I do want to offer one free thing up so another freebie uh, is that in February we launched the battle tested app and we talk about these deeper connections right and how to have those closer relationships with teammates uh, so every week we launch two videos 
Mondays, uh, one centered around mental performance, but Wednesdays, it's the story time. And so it's, it's that story time with Blake that the kids all, you know, love and talk about. And it's an opportunity for not only for kids to see this on their app, but to then maybe a coach to say on a practice on a Thursday morning, Hey, what'd you guys think about, uh, the video you just saw on battle test app yesterday? And so just a little opportunity to, to me, it's a layup, right? An easy opportunity for a coach to say, Hey, let's talk about that video yesterday. What'd you think? You know, what were your reactions? So an easy way to kind of, again, foster conversations just for a few minutes out of practice to, uh, again, help with teammate relationship. Blake, this is great stuff. And it's, it's different. It's different than a lot of other things out there. And I know a lot of coaches are wanting to, you know, kind of check more of this stuff out and, and learn more about how to maybe run some of this stuff or maybe want to connect with you. So where can coaches find you? Yeah, so at the end of every event that I do with teams, I typically give out T-shirts. You know, this source of pride, right? Wow, I completed the event yeah. just like I, I would, you know, Tough Mudder or something. Where's my T-shirt? And so the T-shirts always say, I am battle-tested. To me, I'm like, that's that's what you can say now, right? You're battle-tested. Mm-hmm. And um, we've used that same you know, moniker for our website. So we're at IamBattleTested.org. Uh, com will get you there also. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, we're also at I am battle tested. Awesome, awesome man! I've enjoyed this conversation so much, man. Thanks so much for coming on and and uh, and being willing to share your story and just some share some of your tools. I think coaches will take a lot from it. So, thank you, JP. What an incredible story! What an incredible conversation! Thanks so much to Blake Williams for coming on the podcast. Three ways to implement some of the stuff that he shared with you today. The first, there's the free app. You can download that right away. Um, Go to IamBattleTested.com. Check that out right away. Download the app. Get it for your team. Secondly, um, very affordable, The Battle-Tested Teammate, his book. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, After this conversation, I went out and bought it. I'm about halfway through. Uh, Very short, really funny and and fun stories that he shares. that you can read as a team with some really simple and prof- but profound principles for your team as you move forward. So definitely worth checking out that as an investment as well as just reaching out to Blake. I mean, those team building activities, uh, they're phenomenal. The endorsements that he's got, you can see on his website uh, from other coaches. I mean, they're proven. It works. Your team will be more connected. You'll start to build mental toughness in your athletes and you'll be building their character. So check out his stuff at IamBattleTested.com. Also put some links in the details of this episode.